is taken from Mark chapter 9, the Transfiguration. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, Why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it is written about him. This is the word of the Lord. May I speak and may you hear in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I wonder, I wonder when the last time was that you were sort of fixed to the spot, rooted to the spot, transfixed by what had happened. Late one night, a burglar um, broke into a house, a house that he thought was empty, and he tiptoed through the sitting room, but he suddenly froze in his tracks when he heard a loud voice saying, Jesus is watching you. Silence returned to the home, so the burglar crept forward again. Jesus is watching you, the voice boomed again. The burglar stopped dead. He was frightened. Frantically, he looked around, and then in a dark corner, he saw a bird cage, and in the cage was a parrot. And he asked the parrot, was that you who said, Jesus is watching you? Yes, said the parrot. The burglar breathed a great sigh of relief, and then he asked the parrot, what's your name? Clarence, said the bird. That's a dumb name for a parrot, said the burglar. What idiot named you Clarence? The parrot said, the same idiot who named the Rottweiler Jesus. <laughs> but I wonder when you were transfixed in a good way. Think of the time that God perhaps stopped you in your tracks. 
You know, occasionally we do get special moments in our lives that remind us of the creator behind the creation, of God's call on our lives, that he's real and is amazing. I want to tell you about two occasions for me that had quite an impact. One was when I was um, uh, helping crew a yacht from Portsmouth um, down to the uh, Mediterranean, the Menorca. I was about 21 years of age, and this man who owned this Nicholson 38, 38-foot yacht, and he needed some lads to help him crew the yacht so he could then bring his family out, his wife and daughters, to have a nice cruise in the Med. And so we, cr- we went from Portsmouth across the English Channel, across Biscay, down past Portugal, and then through the Straits of Gibraltar into the Mediterranean. And I was just a deckhand, really, a bit of a slave, told to get on with it. The interesting bit of the voyage was that you'd got to do um, the watches at night, so you'd be on for four hours, um, probably on your own, just steering the boat, and have to work out which way the ships were going. Um, it was quite scary at times, especially across the English ship can- canal, um, English Channel, the, and the, and the ships don't really obey the, site, the orders whether it's red or green, they just think we're bigger than you. You yachts have to get out of the way. But it was also an occasion when I was trying to discern what God was calling for my life. And someone had been prompting me saying, have you thought about being a vicar, even at 21 years? And, and I was not sure about this, partly because my father was a vicar. And therefore I wondered whether I was doing it for the right reasons if I went forward. And I was trying to discern what God was saying. And anyway, I was sort of, is God real anyway? Um, And how much of this is just something I've been given from my parents? I was on the dog watch, that's four o'clock in the morning till six, as we went through the Straits of Gibraltar into the Mediterranean on my own. The sun was just coming up or light was coming. And I was having this conversation with God in my mind with him on my own it was quite grey but it was just coming light and in the middle of this sort of prayer discussion argument I was having in front of the yacht a great killer whale came out the water I'm literally just in front of the yacht and it just kept coming up, 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 up above the bow and then down. He didn't jump the yacht or anything. It was right in front. It was the most amazing thing. And I was just sort of... And I know that in some ways that was just a coincidence. But it was like God was saying to me, here I am. I am almighty. This is my creation. And although I know all things, and I've made all things, I've also made you. For me, that was a very important moment. The second time, um, the other one I want to to share with you is when I was a vicar in South Cheshire. And to be honest, I was quite exhausted. Um, I think I've probably been trying to do lots of things in my own strength, getting things going, house groups, this, that and the other. And I went away to this conference in a state of exhaustion, a bit jaded. And at the end of this conference, they had a gospel reading from John's gospel 
about one of the resurrection appearances of Jesus when he, the disciples go out in the boat, they catch nothing all night, and then the stranger says, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you'll catch fish, and they do, and they get 153 fish. Do you remember that? Yeah. And then Jesus has a chat with Peter afterwards, and Peter, who's let Jesus down badly because he denied him, and Jesus sort of, you know, reinstates him, restores him. Well, as this gospel was being read, and I was listening to it, someone from behind, in the row behind, just put their hand on my shoulder quite heavily. And I turned round to see who it was, and there was no one behind me. No one. There were two rows of seats empty. So no one had. But it was as though someone had just put their hand on my shoulder and said, this is you. And God's saying, I want you for this ministry, for this work. It was a most affirming thing. You may say coincidence, but for me, it was an important moment. A Mount Transfiguration moment. Oh, a great, thank heavens that's not my mobile going off. <laughs> I dread those moments, isn't it? Oh, dear. I was thinking, oh, please let it not be my mobile. This is your chance now. If you've got a mobile on, quick, get it turned off. Because I'll embarrass you. It'll just go on. Um, anyway. But for me, it was a wonderful time. And as Jesus had restored Peter, Jesus had also was restoring me, saying, I can work with you. You're on the right path. I can put you back together again. Follow me, and I will use you in my mission. Well, I don't know what your moments have been, your special moments, when you felt God very close. But what we need to realize, that passage in Mark's Gospel, in fact, all the writers in the Gospels, they follow this story of the Mount of Transfiguration with the story of a boy who is desperately ill. He's so sick that the disciples hadn't been able to cure him. And they seem to be telling us that the two go together. The mountaintop experience and then this shrieking, stubborn demon down in the valley. The two are connected. And for many, dramatic visions and spiritual experiences are balanced by huge demands. I wonder if you've ever noticed that. The more open we are to God and to the different dimensions of his glory, the more we seem to be open to the pain of the world. We should perhaps be wary when we return from some great service of worship or when we rise from a time of prayer which seems to have been particularly blessed and God seems to have been particularly close and his love real and powerful. Because these things are never given, don't seem to be, just for their own sake. But they're given so that we, his disciples, are equipped and affirmed by them. So God will strengthen us to be used in his needy world. So if you like, God's affirmation, and that's really what confirmation is about, this strengthening, seems to prevent I don't mean prevent, stop, but prevent as in Latin, go before. God's spirit goes before us to prepare us for his challenge and mission. At his baptism, Jesus heard the voice from heaven. You are my son, my beloved. 
with whom I'm well pleased. And exactly after that, what happened? Jesus was sent out into the wilderness to be tested. And here on Mount Hermon, Jesus is bathed in divine glory. And he receives this wonderful uh, company of Moses and Elijah, the great prophets. And again, there's this voice from heaven affirming. And the disciples hear it. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. I told you someone else is a go off. We'll have to work out a number by the end, how many go. But after that, they go straight down there from the mountain, and it's on the road to Jerusalem, where the Son of Man will suffer many things. He'll be killed and raised on the third day. So if you like, the transfiguration on the mountaintop, this shining golden experience, foreshadows the crucifixion on the hillside outside Jerusalem. I want you to close your eyes for a moment and just imagine these pictures. Here on this mountaintop is Jesus, revealed in dazzling glory. But there on the hill outside Jerusalem is Jesus, revealed in bloody shame. Here on the mountaintop, his clothes are shining white, dazzling. There they've been stripped off, and soldiers throw dice for them. Here, Jesus is flanked by Moses and Elijah, the great heroes of Israel. But there, at Golgotha, he hangs between two thieves. Here there's a bright cloud that overshadows the mountaintop. But there, darkness creeps upon the land. Here on Mount Tabor, Peter blurts out, Master, it's wonderful to be here. But there, when Jesus is being crucified, he's hiding in the shadows, in shame, remembering how he denied him to the servant girl. I do not know the man. Here on the mountain, a voice from God himself declares, This is my dear son. I am delighted with him. But there on the hillside, a Roman soldier, a pagan, declares, Truly, this really was the Son of God. Now open your eyes. You see, Jesus himself went through the mountaintop experience, knowing that it was preparing him to follow where the law and the prophets had pointed, down into the valley, to the place of despair, the place of death, and the place where demons shriek and sufferers weep, the place where the Son of Man will accomplish his mission. 
I'm not trying to put you off, those of you who are going to be confirmed today, but I'm telling you, you will be tested in your faith. Today I really hope it will be a strengthening, but you will find it hard being a Christian, being a follower of our Lord Jesus Christ, Monday to Saturday. It can't always be Sunday when we've got the warmth of fellowship, our friends around us. If you're at school, you may feel quite lonely as a Christian, maybe at place of work. Is there someone else who's a Christian you can pray with? I don't know. We are blessed by God to be a blessing to others. The disciples, you know, on that Mount of Transfiguration, they were overwhelmed, saying things that they didn't mean. Peter wanting to build shelters. Wouldn't it be great if we could freeze this moment, Lord? If we could stay on the mountaintop with Moses, Elijah, you and us here forever. But of course, life isn't like that. It's good to be here for a while. It's good to gather, to pray together, to receive encouragement, to gaze again at the majesty and wonder of God. But remember too, that God goes with us down into the valley. We cannot stay here, we cannot cling. But he goes with us down to the valley in the plain. And when we feel on our own, we are not, because he is with us. And he hears us when we pray and call. So find resources Monday to Saturday. Keep reading your scriptures. Pray your prayers. Ask for God's guidance. And he will be with you. And if you feel like the disciples sometimes, well, we didn't know what to do. We couldn't heal this boy. And we feel inadequate, don't we? Or weak or not quite up to it to witness well. But God loves taking us who are frail and weak and shining his glory through us, using us to declare his majesty. So offer what little you have to God and he will make a miracle of it. May God bless you. Those of you being confirmed, those carrying on as disciples, may God bless you in your discipleship that you may be a blessing to many others. Amen.